Hi everyone, Chris Owens be here, pastor of Way of Life. Really humbled and blessed that you have taken the time to give us the privilege of bringing the Word of God to you. I believe the message that I'm about to share with you could be something that could positively change your life forever. I do believe that one word from God can change your life forever. So open your heart, receive what the Word of God has to say, and at the conclusion of the message, I want to come back and pray with you. All right, all right, all right. Thank you, brothers. Thank you all for your faithfulness. God bless you. Not doing it for me, but I'm, I am a representation of Jesus as a five-fold ministry gift. Anybody who loves him and honors him, I respect because I love him and I honor him and I appreciate you so much. All right, get your Bibles ready. Go with me to the book of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel chapter 9, a very unique message title that probably will only make sense as we get into the interior of this message, but I do believe you will catch it. I pray that you're apprehended by it and that a divine connection of God takes place in our lives today. I want to call this message, One Day, Today. One Day, Today. You go to 1 Samuel 9, hold it there with your thumb or mark it with your Bible marker, and then pay close attention as we preach toward this passage of Scripture. I want to announce today that all of you under the sound of my voice even unbelievers, if you choose to embrace it. You are part and on a prophetic journey. I'm going to say it again. You're on a prophetic journey. You are part of biblical prophecy at this very moment. You see, our generation has been marked with prophetic promises. God is allowing us to see events unfolding that the ancient prophets only saw in visions and dreams. It's easy to forget that God is orchestrating behind the scenes as we go about our business in the process of living our lives. But he has sent you and I on a prophetic journey. And if you trust him, you can know that he is in control and that he holds you in his hand. I got to say that again. If you trust him, then that's the key. Not God's got this irregardless. No, that trust is a prerequisite. If you trust him, you can know. Say, I can know. If you trust him, you can know that he is in control and that he holds you in his hand. Does that comfort you or does it frighten you? Because I think some people it could scare. You can't take another sleepless night maybe you that are listening to me, it's been a difficult time, a difficult season. You can't kick a habit that's morphed into a full-blown addiction and it's destroying your relationships with those around you. I gotta tell somebody as I keep moving in this point though, when you're walking, God is working. You may be stumbling around in the dark right now and not having made the right decisions that you need to make, but when you're walking, God is working. You may be off course with your life and you may be even questioning whether you really even believe that Christianity is the only way to God, but when you're walking, God is working. You may be praying for people that you care about that have told you at best they're agnostic and don't know what they believe, and some of them may have said, I don't believe any of that. 
And some have said, oh, I believe some of that, but I deny a lot of that, which, which is a real puzzler for me because I don't know how you can be a person who claims to be a Christ follower, but you deny major portions of Scripture that are benefits, equipment, expectation of God. But we live in such an hour where people play pick and choose with the commandments and the promises of God. But for those who want to do it God's way, don't play pick and choose. Do it God's way. So when you're walking, God is working. I want to say to that person who your problem's not drugs, but food has become more than a comfort to you. It's a source of security. But it never satisfies that hunger that growls deep and gets deeper and deeper with every passing day. Take a breath. Take a deep breath. Your story can change today. Your wanting to be healed from trauma can happen. You can come one step closer to where God wants you to be. You can be whole and you can be healed. That word W-H-O-L-E doesn't mean like a hole in your head. Is anybody glad? Because we've already got too many holes in our head, right? Sometimes. But W-H-O-L-E means complete and healed means just like it sounds and even better. Are you grateful? Our God can make you whole and healed. You're wanting to be filled with joy and you can be. You want to be filled with purpose and you can be. Why? You may be walking, but God is working and it's time that you get in agreement and give place to what he's working. Be ready and able to carry out whatever mission he has planned for your life. Because I'm telling you, God doesn't just want to do for you. God wants to do through you. God's got a plan for your life and him using you and you making an effect for him and the cause of the kingdom is part of it. I'm not lying to you. He wants you to be involved. I mean, there is no catch to this. He doesn't want you to be involved because it's what equates your salvation. He wants you to be involved because he doesn't want you to be the same selfish person that you were before you got saved, yet now you call yourself a Christian and you still are only concerned about what's happening inside your skin and in your life. How many of you are grateful that God's got something in this mission that has you in mind to touch somebody else? You're able, I want to say it by the Holy Ghost, you are able to carry out the mission that God has planned for your life. And he's always at work. Even when you feel like you're numbed because of the circumstances that you have dealt with in, in previous and recent times. Maybe you can't even see anymore that which you've longed for to happen in your life. But I'll say it again, God is still working it out while you're walking it out. That's for Christians. That's for Christ followers. God is still working it out while you're walking it out. Worst thing in the world you can do is pull up the emergency brake, get stuck because you choose to be idle, because you feel crippled in the midst of your circumstances. God is still working it out while you are walking it out. Everyone say, keep moving forward. Say, keep walking it out. Because as long as you choose to move in the right direction, you give God room to work it out as you choose to walk it out. If you are available and willing, he can give you the tools you need to overcome the nightmares that are plaguing you and keeping you from the ultimate destiny he has prepared for you. I cannot imagine anything more frustrating than not knowing 
any of what God's will is for your life. Nobody knows everything about it because God leads oftentimes in steps. But if you know nothing about it, I got great news today. That's not God's fault and God doesn't want you to know nothing about your purpose. He wants you in it. You ought to give him a praise right there. He wants you in it. He, you, yeah, you. Say, yeah, me. Now, <laughs> in 1 Samuel 9, unique, a unique chapter, awesome chapter, full of so many good things. I love the Old Testament. You, you see God's process of, 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 of the coming Jesus, but you also see how God would touch a life, transform it, change it, just like he does in the New Covenant, just in a different kind of a way. But it's the same God, just greater dimensions of him in the new covenant. First Samuel chapter nine, there was a man of Benjamin, verse one, whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Becherath, the son of Aphiah. Son of a gun, that's a whole lot of names, isn't it? I thought to myself, now I'm not gonna say that this morning. I was thinking in preparation, just having a little fun. But the reason why, that lineage is important. The son of a gun part, but just the names are a little challenging to pronounce if you're from Blunt County, Alabama. A Benjamite, a mighty man of power. Verse two, and he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was, y'all don't have those verses? Is that what it is? Okay. They don't have those verses. I'll keep moving. And he had chose, excuse me, had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. I'll just give y'all a chance to use your own Bible. Amen. Amen. There was not a more handsome person than he, talking about Saul, uh, among the children of Israel. And from his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. So he's different. He's taller than everybody, and he's amongst the most handsome and good-looking in the crowd. Now, you would think, being like that, you wouldn't have any inferiority complexes. You would think you would just exude with confidence. Let's keep moving. Now, in this today, I want you to see that Saul was picked by God before he had any idea that he might be part of God's big picture plan. There are things that God has planned for your life that you have no idea about and you will not know until your path crosses over into the opportunity that God has planned for you. Which is why you need to trust the voices in your life even when they don't make sense. Because verse three says, now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. There's about three of them. And Kish said to his son, Saul, please take one of the servants with you and arise and go and look for the donkeys. Now, I have been a teenager, and I know Eastern culture is different, and I know that back through time might have been different, and I think you had to be more guarded when you did it because you sure wouldn't want to allow an old school daddy to catch you doing what he might have done. But at that stage in life, rolling his eyes and thinking, oh, God, that's what I want to do. That's really, I want to chase donkeys. I want to go hunt and look and search for lost donkeys. And he's probably there, ah, 
you know, Daddy, I wanted to do what I wanted to do, but here you are giving me a chore. But sometimes it's in the chore of looking for lost things that helps you find what you've been searching for beyond what you ever thought you were searching for. Deep statement, but you'll understand it more in a little bit. So what does he do? Did what his daddy said, verse 4. He passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find them. And then they passed through the land of Shalem. It's just down the road from Hawkeye. Not really. And they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they didn't find them. And verse 5 says this. But when they had come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant that was with him, Come, let's return, lest my father cease caring for these donkeys and become worried about us. We might as well go home. I don't know where these fool donkeys are, but we, we can't find them, and we might as well go home. But Saul's not by himself. He took a servant with him at the instruction of his father. And that servant speaks up in verse 6 and says something strong to him. He said to him, look now, there's in the city a man of God. Now, why would somebody want to trust a man of God with something as simple as this? Just think of it. In the city, there's a man of God. He's an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way we should go. Verse 7, then Saul said to his servant, but look, if we go, what shall we bring the, the, this man? Uh, for the bread in our vessels is all gone. We, in other words, we eat up all our groceries. We boys, you know, it wasn't going to last long. And there's no present, no gift to bring to the man of God. Well, the scripture says that your gift makes room for you. That's not just your talents and your gifts. It's an honor principle that when you become before greatness or you become before a king or you come before a man of God, you bring a gift. And so Saul is taught about the honor principle and you have to tip your hat to his daddy on that one. Part of my job as a pastor and an apostle in this church in the end time is to teach the honor principle because there's a whole lot of kids that have come up in families where that has not been taught, it has not been exemplified, and it has not been shared. So he knows we need to honor this man of God with something. And the servant says, hey, look, verse, verse uh, 8, look, I have at, in my hand or at hand one-fourth of a shekel of silver. I'll give that to the man of God to tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, verse 9, notice this. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus, come let us go to the seer. For he who is now called prophet was formerly called seer. But I like that word. I like that word because we need to be seers by faith and by the revelation and help of the Holy Spirit about our next steps. You need to be a person of faith, but you also need to be a person of the Spirit. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Hopefully, not better than you're listening. <laughs> I really want you to listen because they'll be shouting ground in a little while. But it, it, you need seers in your life. So much of the body of Christ talks about faith, and some of them you can tell it's real limited, and it's almost like God's already going to make it happen no matter what. When God is sovereign outside of his word, but inside of his word, you got your part to play in this, and it's what you do with your faith that gives place to whether or not 
you receive what he can provide. But they said, this, this prophet is a seer. And that's a gift for your life. Samuel saw things by the Holy Ghost. God wants you to see things by the Holy Ghost. Which is the reason why you don't need to be part of a church that does not believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. And I'm not dogging nobody, but the truth is, if you have been saved and you are growing in the things of God, the Holy Spirit is not going to lead you to be in an atmosphere or a place that does not believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. Because you are not intended to understand the Word of God only by yourself, but the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate the Word that it will not only have historical account, that it will not only speak to you about something awesome God has done in the lives of others but you can see how that his word is so alive that a picture of what is happening in Saul's life is a picture of what can happen in your life and even in a greater way man this is good and if you can keep your mind focused if you can act like I'm on a smartphone screen or a TV screen, or a computer screen. If you can keep your mind focused, the information I'm bringing you today can cause that one day, that someday, maybe one day, you know, two days, I'm just not good enough. And, but maybe one day I'll get it together. Maybe one day I'll pull my head out of whatever I've got it stuck in and decide to make some different decisions about my life and my future. Maybe one day I'll be able to get over the negative things that other people said about me. I think I need to preach something right there. I'm sorry for every negative thing that's been said about you. I know that it hurt you, and I know that it marked your life. But I want to tell you something right now. You have within you a God-created ability to rise up and say, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. I'm done with that. I'm ready for what the Word and the seer, the prophet, the God of the Word has to say. Woo! Verse 10, then Saul said to his servant, well said. <laughs> Good preaching, dude. You're not, you're not just a servant. You're something else. So they went to the city where the man of God was, verse 11. And they went up to the hill of the city. And they met the young man going out to draw water and said to them, is the seer here? Look at which way Saul goes. He's been chasing donkeys. God gets him on this journey because some donkeys are seemingly lost and out of place. And every place that needs to sort of bump Saul in the direction that he needs to go, the connections are coming together. I plead with you. I plead with you. Don't block your connections if God puts somebody in your life that knows something you don't know and they're not a weirdo or a, a granola, fruit nut, or a flake, but they really are connected with truth and the help of the Holy Spirit, humble yourself down and pay attention and be grateful because you've been, maybe, I just wish I had some help. So, verse 12, they answered and said, yes, there he is, there's the seer. He's just ahead of you. Hurry now for today. Um, hurry now for today. Say today. 
He came to this city because there is a sacrifice of the people today on the high place. Verse 13. And as soon as you come into the city, you will surely find him before he goes to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now therefore, go up for about this time you will find him. So they went up. And boy, these guys, these young guys are following instruction. If a teenager can make the decision to follow instructions like this, then your 40-year-old self is without an excuse. Don't shout me down. He wasn't stupid. Matter of fact, he's way more than he realizes. But if, 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 if that group of people on the planet that is so consumed with the new things and the changes and the chemical changes and all the things that's going on in a teenage season of life. If he can walk this out, everybody in the room can walk it out. But I think the problem with some people is you're waiting for somebody to pick your up, set it in a wheelbarrow, and push you around. If they did that to you, they would cripple you and that would plague your life. God doesn't want you wheelbarrowed around. God doesn't want you led by a whip. God doesn't want you drugged by a chain. He wants you led by the word and by the Holy Spirit. He doesn't just want to use the people we admire in the Bible. He doesn't just want to use people that we read books about that have yielded their lives to God and God has used them greatly. I've come to preach today that in this room there are many, many people that God wants to use. Everybody. God wants to do this for everybody. Some of you just don't believe it. I can tell by that look on your face. Just don't believe all oh, this good sermon. There's your problem. This is more than a sermon. Boy, I'm glad I'm not you. You want to know one of the reasons why I've grown? I don't know everything and I know it. I don't think I'm Mr. Deep and got it all figured out. I'm not the kind of person you have to dangle carrots and lettuce and all kind of stuff. Well, my rabbit sniffing self to get me interested. Man, I'm so hungry. I'm excited that God's got an answer for every situation I face. God has paths. God has a roadmap. God has a guide. He has everything that we need. I'm grateful. And it has done me well. Because the people who think they're so smart, that their results are just as bad as a heathen's. What is that? I refuse to be the preacher that gets excited about stuff because I'm sermonizing to stir you up, but I'm not going to receive it myself. I got too much of a conscience. If this stuff couldn't work for me, I couldn't lie to you. But there's no lie in this. The Word and the Holy Spirit, the prophetic of God, sees great things in us. Ooh. Fire. Shut up in my bones and burn it. Verse 14. How about verse 15? Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear. Let me go to verse 16. We're going to back to verse 15. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not messing up here. This is good. Verse 16. 
tomorrow about this time, God spoke to Samuel. I'm going to send you a man from the land of Benjamin. And you shall anoint him commander over my people, Israel. That he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because their cry has come unto me. Now look at verse 15 in the light of that. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear. Y'all a great group today. Can you hear God say it different? Yes, Lord. Will you hear God? God told him in his ear. Why? Because Samuel from just a child had learned to trust the voice of God. Samuel came up as a young man hearing God's voice at a tender age when the priest that was over him had really slipped a lot of ways and had drifted. Samuel as a child could hear God's voice and he heard the Lord in his ear. There's things God wants to tell you about you that he's not going to be able to tell anybody for you. There's things that God wants to say to you about your life that you're not going to hear if you're not willing to get out of your comfort zone and obey what your daddy says. And if it's going after lost donkeys, you do it. Because there's way more going on than a wild... I can say that so many ways. A wild donkey chase. Donkeys that are off. It's amazing what God will use to get you out of a place and get you into another place to be able to get into the place that he wants you to get into and to have key people in your life to hear his voice about you, but not just you, the kingdom effect that's supposed to come off of your life. Listen, I'm going to tell you up front, every good thing God does for you, he does because he loves you and is crazy about you. But he also does it because there's a lot of people that are in the same kind of position, just different ways than you're in. And he wants to touch them too. And he wants you to use your story to help impact them. I'm not going to let you hear the goodness of the gospel and misunderstand that this is just another thing that you can treat like an alcohol or a drug or an addiction. Just help me make it through the night. He don't want to help you make it through the night. He wants to help you have a new life. He wants you to find out what your purpose is. He wants you to see yourself in the Word of God and never look back. He wants you to give way to the leadership of the Holy Ghost. See, in the new covenant, you can't go around seeking for somebody to tell you what God's will is because for whatever reason, you just won't seek for yourself. I'm there, people come up to me sometimes and they ask me questions. And what they want me to do is make their decision for them. I'm not going to do it. I'll give you insight. But if I know the Holy, if that's the Holy Ghost job, I'm not going to do the Holy Ghost job. And I wish 
preachers would quit trying to do the Holy Ghost job. And I wish so-called deep Christians <laughs> would quit trying to do the Holy Ghost job. Because some of them are trying to do the Holy Ghost job and don't even believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. It just seems like common sense, you know. Common sense is very important. But common sense is not always the final thing. It's very important. It's not that common. I wish people had more of it. But God doesn't just lead by common sense. Sometimes donkeys get lost so that you can get found. Verse 17. Now when Samuel saw Saul, not saw Saul, if you're real southern, now when Samuel saw Saul, because I don't know how we make L sound like W's. King Saul, no, it's Saul. When you don't have a sense of humor, she does. You hear her giggling back there, it helped her. <laughs> I love that woodpecker laugh. That's cute. <laughs> That's cute. Okay, when I was at church, I was in a revival years ago. I'll get back to that verse in a minute. But th there, was this, there was this gal that when she'd laugh, she'd go, oh, oh, oh. You ever see a squeeze toy, you squeeze it and go, oh. She'd do that, go, by the time she'd go, oh, oh. I provided the visual effect. She pro provided the sound effect. Anyhow. So Samuel, verse 17, when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, there he is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate. And Saul says to Samuel, please tell me, where is the seer's house? I'm looking for the prophet. I'm looking to the, for the one who, who sees in the spirit. Verse 19, Samuel answered and said, I am the seer. He could have said, who you calling seer, boy? I am the prophet. But he wasn't hung up on titles. He was serious about the anointing. I am the seer. Go up before me. He begins to immediately give him instructions. Prophets are not too much into small talk. Go up before me to the high place. For you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. What a verse. What a verse. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read it again because there's sometimes if you don't just really, really let the Holy Spirit help you and teach you as you read the Bible, you'll miss certain things. And I love you too much to let that happen today. I'm the seer. Go up before me to the high place. For we shall, you shall eat with me today. I'm going to take care of you. You're with me today. For tomorrow, I will tell you, go and will tell you all that is in your heart. This one day for Saul had become two day that was going to affect all of his tomorrows. If you only are always putting your life out there in tomorrow, it's never going to happen. Unsincere tomorrows never come. One day it's just going to happen. It's not how God does it. 
There's a guy who wrote a book, It All Matters, Finding Value in All Life's Moments. And one of the things about that book is this principle that everything that God has revealed to you or has done in your life is part of the place he's been trying to lead you to and nudge you toward. And a lot of things God has done in the midst of stuff he didn't cause. A lot of things he's done in the midst of decisions other people have made and we have made and circumstances that have hit were, that were not even his will. But God is so good that his will for you is greater than the bad decisions you may have made and he will invade your a realm of bad decision and get you help and get you out of that and get you into the place you need to get into. Would you shout in this room? He said, I, I, I will let you go after we encounter things. But he said, I will tell you what's in your heart. I'm going to let you, I'm, I'm going to help you see what needs to be in your heart. I'm going to help you see what you have longed for that you did not know how to put into words. You didn't know how to articulate. Are you grateful for those God moments where God does things like that and those moments impact and change your life? Verse 20. And then he says, oh yeah, by the way, for your donkeys, them wild donkeys, that were lost for three days. Don't be anxious about them for they've been found. And he didn't even bring up the donkeys. But he just happened to be around somebody who could see some stuff. So we're going to take care of your daddy's donkeys. Because the donkeys were just an access point to get you to this place. Y'all got to hear me. You got to hear me. You got you to hear this. Your life is not just crap that just happens. And crap does happen. I understand that. But your life is not just that. God is amazing in how that he, just, he just continues to find ways by his love to help bump us along the way. And I wonder how, I wonder how much sooner it could have been for many of us. But even though we've delayed it, God's not denied what he wants for our lives. And if you're in here today, oh, I just, oh, I just came forward with a blessing. Well, this is a bigger blessing than you realized. I just come because I just need some help. This is help. Oh, it's getting, it's getting better by the moment. Hang with me now. Verse 21, and Saul answered and said, well, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not through with verse 20. They found your donkeys. Don't be anxious. And you ain't got to worry, but you do need to get back to your daddy pretty soon because I don't want him concerned about you because he loves you more than the donkeys. How many of you glad your father loves you more than the donkeys you've been chasing? Oh, you can't even clap your little patty cake and hands. You know I'm preaching right. <laughs> and Saul answered and said, I am... I still got to finish verse 20. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? In other words, I'm going to show you your heart. Then he says, on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and your father's house? Keish is more special than he realizes. You are, Saul, you are part of the desire of Israel. Listen to me. 
This would be the beginning of a lineage that would bring us the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. Not necessarily Saul's bloodline, but the kingdom line that would lead us to the king of kings and lord of lords. Verse 21, Saul answered and said, wait a minute, am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel? And my family, the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin, why do you speak like this to me? Think of that. Saul is at least head and shoulders taller than everybody. He's strikingly handsome. The girls are noticing him when he walks by. But Saul doesn't feel impressed by himself. How can I do anything like this? I just, I'm just a young man trying to do what my daddy told me to do. Wasn't even really all that excited about doing what my daddy told me to do. And what started on a journey to find lost donkeys, you're telling me that I'm going to lead the people of God? I don't have what it takes. And herein lies the lie of the devil. We immediately hit the default setting of, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I struggle with. You don't know about my, my I, 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 I couldn't imagine myself being able to stand before people and lead them. I, I don't have really what it takes and I come out of this small group. But God loves to raise people up out of settings that other people would not have picked because God loves to show what I can do with the one that will allow me to pick them up and raise them up. And I'm telling you, he's not changed. The word of God illuminates to us in a time like this. This is what he will do for every person in your in, in this room better said that wants this. You only knew where I come from. I've got some friends in ministry that have been used all over the world and I know where they came from and I know what they were like and I know how they felt. I've got one ministry acquaintance that I think so much of that as a teenager, he had such inferiority complexes. God's given him world-renowned kingdom ministry access. But he had things about him that he just didn't think measured up. And even to this day, as great a preacher as he is, he really doesn't, he battles with feeling, feelings of inadequacy. But listen to me, that's the kind of thing that God can use. Do you really think that God can use you people that don't need any help? I mean, he, he can, but you gotta realize I've got talents, but I don't know what to do with them. I've got abilities, but I mess up everything I touch. God wants to, but, but God is able to do the most with the people who can be the most honest. Verse 22, now Samuel took Saul and his servant, brought them into the hall, and had them sit in the place of honor. Wow. He's not even anointed yet and he's already treating him like he is. Learn from the word, y'all. Among those who were invited, there were about 30 persons. And Samuel said to the cook, bring the portion which I gave you, of which I said to you, sanctify it or set it apart. So the cook 
You people that like eating, you'll enjoy this part. So the cook, I'm one of them, took up the thigh. I like thighs too. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> so the cook took the upper thigh, its upper part, better said, set it before Saul. And Samuel said, here it is. This was kept back for you. It's set apart for you. <laughs> they haven't met to just today, but eat for, for till this time it has been kept for you. That's a special leftover. Uh, since I said I invited the people, so Saul ate with Samuel that day. Verse 25, when they had come down from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the top of the house. And there arose, there, they arose rather, rather early. And it was about the dawning of the day. And Samuel called to Saul on the top of the house saying, get up that I may send you on your way. And Saul arose and both of them went outside, he and Samuel. And as they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead. I need to spend some time with just me and you. And the servant went on. But you stand here a while. Stay with the prophet a while. Stay with the seer a while. Stay with the prophetic voice a while. Not always, but for a while. Gosh, I could preach some stuff about the local church there. That I may announce to you the word of God. Verse 1 of chapter 10. Then Samuel, I'm almost done, but I don't feel nobody pushing me hard. I think somebody's receiving something today. Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on his head. If it was like the one that he poured on David, it was a horn, and it's three to five gallons. And it's not like a little, little squirt or a little dab, but it's get that big, big syrup pouring picture in your mind. Except it's better than syrup, it's anointing oil. Poured it over his head. And he kissed him. The seer, the prophet, the voice for God. Not only anointed him, but he loved him because you're the right person. If you'll be the right person. I'm going to say that again. Saul, you're the right person. If you will be the right person. Honda Shama Lefronai. Everyone under the sound of my voice today, you are the right person if you will be the right person. The only one who can disqualify us is not our enemy. It's not the person that doesn't like us. It's not even Satan. The only one who can disqualify us is us. I wish somebody would look at somebody and say, I don't aim to do that. And he kissed him. He kissed him. Why? Because I love, I love what God is doing. Because I love what God is doing, I love you because he's going to do a lot of it through you. I didn't pick you. I didn't vote you in. I didn't vote you out. I didn't yell a page or, or 
website search for you. I wasn't looking in the king section to find who the king would be. The Holy Spirit has made all this happen and I anoint you and I kiss you because I'm grateful that you're here. You need the affirmation of the voices that matter. Now verse, y'all ain't going nowhere, it's raining. Unless you, got a, unless you got a kayak. Is it not because the Lord has anointed you to command over his inheritance? And when you've departed from me today, you're going to find some men. And this was just another part. I'm going to skip this part. But I encourage you at this afternoon, read the 10th chapter. It'll just, it'll just bless you. Because that one day, that one day that in too many lives never, become, never happens. It never comes to fruition. It never takes place. Because we oftentimes, some of us, and the devil would have loved to have done it for we that have endeavored to step into the moment. The one day only becomes two day when you make the decision that today I'm not going to cancel out the opportunity. Saul was willing to let a servant with a better idea tell him to go to the voice of God to get connected with the anointing of God and because he trusted a servant and they're about the only ones you can trust anyway. Because not everybody says they're serving the Lord is actually serving. But this servant was trusted because he got into the voice of God. The voice of God, the prophet of God spoke to him and now he's going to send him on his way again and he's going to make sure he connects with those donkeys and gets them back to his dad and the concern for Keish, his father, is involved. Our God is so thoughtful. He's so thoughtful. But the daddy is the one who thought he started all this and God just said, I'm going to get on. I'm, I'm, there's my access way. I'm going to get in on this and before this journey's over with, Saul's going to be different. Verse 6. He's now anointed. Verse 6, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, the prophet said, and you will prophesy with other prophetic voices around you. That's in other verses. You'll find that as you study that this afternoon. Please don't study it right now because I need you in this moment with me. And you will prophesy with them and you will be turned into another man. Listen to me. If you get into God's purpose for your life, his anointing will turn you into another person. You won't act the same way you used to. You won't think the same way you used to. You won't live the same way you used to. Everything about you is going to be different. The anointing of God changes people into new and greater, more equipped people. I mean, I get amazed sometimes at the stuff God has done through country boy and me that is so opposite of, of, of what I would have done and the way I would have done it and some of the things he has gotten me to preach I think oh but God that just goes contrary to my personality and it just really really keeps me leaning but really God uses you best when you're leaning because that's the best way to lead the best leaders are the ones who learn to lean on God if we ever get ahead of him that's when we mess stuff up but this anointing on him you're going to prophesy yeah you me? Yeah, you. You're going to prophesy. And he did. Verse 9. Verse 9. Look. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel. Time to go. That God gave him another heart. 
Because if God only gives you an anointing and you don't get another heart, you won't, you won't do it right. You, you, won't treat, you won't treat the assignment right. See, the problem with Samson was Samson had a great anointing. But he devalued the another heart aspect. Saul gets another heart. He's going to think different. He's going to see people differently. He's not going to see leadership as an altar to his ego so that he can treat people like animals. But he's going to use leadership as a high-level servant role. Would to God politicians could figure that out. And would to God people like me never forget it. And that you would realize that the greater leadership opportunities that you get is not just to stroke your ego, but it's an opportunity to serve and make a difference in this life because all the things that we choose in and of itself without God are temporary, but the stuff that's of God is eternal. Would you give him a hand clap and a praise? I am trying to stop. And as Forrest Gump might say, there ain't no quitting place. No place to quit. Now, let me, let, me, let me pull one more thing up out of my notes. Let me give you some music as I find my spot in my notes. He went looking for the donkeys. Okay. And that would be funny. But he went looking for the donkeys. And he found the kingdom. Listen. After Samuel anointed Saul and declared he would be king, the big day came. All of Israel gathered by the tens of thousands to crown Saul as their first king. It was a huge celebration. The men were celebrating in the streets. The women were dancing with timbrels and tambourines. This is not dead church, y'all. This is celebration station, high praise church stuff. The children had streamers in their hands. There was one problem, though. Saul was nowhere to be found. Where was their king? They announced his name again, but still he did not come forth. Verse 22, therefore they in his name again, but still he did not come forth. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, there he is, hidden amongst the equipment. 1 Samuel 10, 22, hidden amongst the equipment. In the original scripture, that word equipment, there was baggage. He's anointed. He's called. But he's got baggage in his life. Or has had baggage in his life. And he thinks that disqualifies him. But the same God who gave him another heart, the same God who turned him into another man is the same God that can teach you how to crucify anything in your life that could hold you back
and limit him. He's not just mighty to show his power, but he's mighty in helping you. If you want to live holy, you can. If you don't want to live holy, you won't. If you try to live holy by yourself, you won't. If you allow the God who changes hearts and gives us instruction by his word and you don't let the baggage of what you were, but I had, I got a temper problem. I got a discouragement problem. I got, I got, I got insecurities and inferiorities. I mean, you could just see it. This is Saul. This big handsome guy feels inadequate because of his former baggage and he's, he's announced, about to be announced publicly to be king and he's hiding. But God didn't say, well, forget it. Deal's off. God said, no, get him out of the package. He's the right guy. As the Spirit of God moves in this room. One day, two day. Too many days are getting past us. For that one day to not be today. Many of you are in pursuit of God's will. So what I'm saying right now is not directed toward you. But if you're under the sound of my voice and you allow baggage or you allow inferiority or you just have never been able to see yourself being a difference maker, a survivor maybe, but a thriver and a difference maker. As the Holy Spirit is moving in this room, and I pray that you keep your attention just focused in on the Lord with those heads bowed and eyes closed. Saul mattered to God, but so do you. This has never been just about us getting saved so we can die and go to heaven. That's how it gets presented sometimes, but that's not really, that's, that's not it. That's not it. Heaven is a reward for the way we honor God here and will experience in eternity. But while we're here, it's the proving ground. While we're here, is the field of usefulness. While we're here, we can use our lives to affect others, to affect change. And God may want to do it through entrepreneurial nature, through some of you. Raise you up as a businessman that gives God all the glory and can't be canceled because your source is not this world. That you're just not so busy just trying to be against everything we ought not be for, but you're busy being for God and for His best and for His will. God wants to raise you up. It should matter to you. And He didn't pick the wrong one. You're the one. Now is the time. This is the day. Today. Not 
some other time today. I'm not going to have you move for a moment. I want you just to soak in this moment. Could it be that God got you here today supernaturally? Could it be that you're hearing this message right now and you didn't plan on doing this or paying attention or observing or anything, but here you are and the servant's got a better idea than you. And the prophetic word of God and the anointing that sees things about your future and the future of those you're supposed to touch. Don't get the cart before the horse. You might not can see it all unfolding yet, but you've got to trust the greatness that others that God has placed in your life sees in you. There are some in this ministry and I looked at you and I said, I see greatness in you. I see things in your life. I see potential in your life. And you didn't make light of it. You were blown away by it because maybe you'd never heard those words before. I was in a camp meeting recently and the apostle of the camp meeting was introducing one of his spiritual sons. And he was honoring him and talking about all the things he was so pleased with about him. And it sounded like Paul bragging on Timothy. And when that young man came up to preach, he was, I say young man, he's young. I'm, he's a few years younger than me. That's young. I'm telling you, 57 is the new 30. But he, he walked up, he took the microphone, and he couldn't speak for about five minutes. He just stood there and he broke and sobbed. He said, he said, it means a whole lot. It means beyond more words than I can say when your daddy honors you. What is biological daddy? But when your daddy acknowledges stuff in your life that God has done. As the Spirit of the Lord is moving in this room, giving you a moment to soak in it, because this is a moment that, you know, the donkeys wound up being used and had their place. But now it's time to quit chasing donkeys. It's time to chase the kingdom now. As the Spirit of the Lord is moving all in this house, I want you to stand now If God has spoken to your heart today, either by His Word, by His Spirit, or maybe in all those ways and then some, and you want to connect with what you hear Him saying, and you've decided that it won't be one day, which is a day that's always out there, but it's going to be today. Today has become my one day. Today has become my now. If that's you, step out and meet me at this front right now in Jesus' name. I'm not going to pull on you today. If you have to be pulled, this will be a short altar call.
And I'm not being ugly. I'm just being very clear. Because this is something you've got to cooperate with. And what I love about Saul is the only thing he struggled with was his own inadequacies. But God will take your inadequacies, inadequacies and make them your greatest strengths. I speak that over different ones of you. That thing that you feel like has crippled you is going to be what God will use the most. When it's surrendered to Him, it won't be bondage anymore. When it's surrendered to Him, it'll be a tool in the hands of the mighty God. I'd like to tell you these are all the ones that need to be up here, but you already know better than that. In the mighty name of Jesus, what an anointing on this. But this is, this is that which, again, I don't want you, I don't want you guilted into this because the guilt will wear off. But the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, the Word of the Lord and the move of the Holy Spirit, let me go me almost knock my podium over. I think I'll pray with my eyes open. I won't hit the podium. Praise the Lord. Spirit of God's moving and speaking. He's speaking to others. He's speaking to others. It's about time to go eat. Don't you think you could probably wait for a hamburger? I mean, at some point, the God of your head, the God of your belly, the God of your limitations, the God of your schedule, I promise you, God moments are the most important schedule moments. You know, I really don't know what your need is today, but the Holy Spirit knows. And He's used this service, this message, to speak into your life. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, really all you need to do is get real with Him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner, and I desperately need a Savior. And you're the only one who can. I invite you into my life. I ask you to save me. I need you as also to be my Lord. I give myself to you and my life to you. And Father, not only do I pray and celebrate these that are coming to you. But for those that need a special touch in their family, for those that need a divine touch in their body, for those that need a surge of encouragement, for those that need increased joy, and for those that are growing, that they will become all that they are called to become. I declare your blessing over the people, and I thank you that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is moving powerfully on their behalves. In Jesus' wonderful name. Until next time, I'm so grateful that you've joined us and I pray that you will continue to check out our regular podcasts.